Hey, thanks for getting together tonight, guys. I appreciate you spending the time. Looking forward to another session here. Yeah. Likewise, Jer. And Nick, welcome to Leadership is Life podcast. We had to think really long and hard, Nick, about who should we have on. And we just, we couldn't come up with anyone else. So we're like, we're like scraping the, the bottom of the barrel for our friends here. Yeah. And so. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least I remember for something. Could that be your new, uh, new nickname, Nick? Ever, anybody ever make a joke about a nickname? How have, how have I never come up with that before? Man. Oh, man. Representing represent the dad jokes, share. Dad jokes, especially at night. I mean, I, I feel like I have to hold out during the day to some level, and then at night I just let loose. It's all that it's built like, up potential. My poor family who has to listen to it. <laughs> oh my no, gosh! It's good. So, so Nick, this is uh, this is what Jeremy and I have have done now for this is number three. So you, you're three. part of uh, you're part of number three. Um, cool. The the first time, first time we got together, we were just just jamming back and forth just on who we are and the different things that we've done. Uh, last week we had, uh, uh, Mastriani on to talk about, uh, you know, making decisions and career moves and, you know, how do you, how you calculate or don't calculate those kinds of, those kinds of decisions. Um, so that was a, a really good conversation. So we thought this week, uh, let's have Nick on to talk about all the, the different influences that, um, you know, have, have shaped your life. Um, the different, the different people, the different books. Um, I know that we've, we've had a chance to talk about, uh, a number of those. So I thought it'd just be fun just to, just to kind of revisit some of those things and hear how you've been able to, I think personally witnessed you apply them. Um, and also just kind of share that wisdom with with others namely me for sure so um, yeah. i thought it would just be fun just to just to revisit some of those things and and uh yeah and just just hash it out so yeah um, no i um i appreciate you guys having me i mean I, I love discussing this stuff and i did want to ask you a question um did you have to turn the volume down for for mastriani when you guys were talking to him let me see no, it was good. It was, he's a trip, and uh, it was great to have him on the show. Um, he's, you know, really has a lot of good insight, and he's such a humble individual, um, yet so capable. So being able to tap into some of the things, you know, kind of get a glimpse into his mind was really insightful. And uh, I hope you get a chance to listen. Once I finally get my button gear and get that episode edited, we'll be able to put that up, and I'll have to give it a listen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, Matt, when you were actually saying like the, the podcast thing, um, I was like, man, I was like people from Dana and I, I'll be honest, Mastriani was one of the first people that came into my mind, but like, he would be a good one too. I mean, he's just a, a dedicated hard worker. Um, I don't know, just overall good guy means really yeah. well. Just, yeah. a, I don't know, a sharp dude. Yeah. Uh, and Steve's no got a lot of, he's got a lot of depth too. 
you know, he's a guy that, that thinks deeply about life. Um, so you can, you can explore all kinds of different topics with them. You know, it's, it's hard to run out of things to talk about with Steve just because there's, there's an endless depth to him. So, yeah. Yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you, ha- do you have COVID Matt? Yeah. Yeah. No How did you get it now? Your wife got it like months ago, didn't she? Yeah. She got it like in January. So yeah, the, the, wow. kiddo, the kiddos brought it home. Oh. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to tell though. They've got like zero symptoms. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, the, the biggest disappointment for them was uh, trick or treating at home, but uh, <laughs> you know, they, they you just survived. have them go up and down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> Get a workout in too. There, there was a point where my wife was literally just throwing candy at them in the floor. <laughs> you know, just like they're just like swimming in it. So, oh, that's a trip. Yeah, it was. It was. So, yeah, but I'm, uh, I'm hanging in there. I'm doing all right. Yeah. Right on. No, sorry to hear that, but glad you're uh, toughing it out. And I, I had no idea, Matt. I would have said we just kind of push this thing but if you're you're a trooper you're ready to rock it out regardless no, ready to rock it out man Not would you say a trip to europe or or covid slow us down yeah covid schmovid that's what they all say right i don't think yeah. they say that <laughs> no, no 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 no, uh, no. <laughs> jocko would say no factor you've got covid no factor. It. It's it's no factor. Good. Get up 100%. earlier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Breathe more oxygen. How do you get rid of it? You get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Nick, I'm holding up a lovely little book in front of me. Yeah. In my in my hands here, uh, wooden. A lifetime of observations and reflections on and off the court. Um, so, quick, quick little story about uh, hanging out with you, Nick. So, I think um, I think we were working on a problem at work. We were in one of the conference rooms upstairs, and uh, and just going over whatever we were going over at that time. And then somehow we got on the subject where you would ask me a question. You go do you read like, it was just kind of like a, we're kind of done with stuff. And then you just had asked me, it was like, Hey, do you read books? Um, and, uh, and I said, yeah, yeah, definitely read some books. How about you? And then I think just like right from there, uh, we just kind of kicked off throwing around different, different things that we, we like to read. And, uh, and wooden was, I think literally one of the first ones that you, you brought up and had talked about. And, uh, me being a sheltered Canadian, didn't know a whole lot about John Wooden, embarrassingly. I mean, it's I'm being uh, pretty transparent. I didn't know a lot about John Wooden when you mentioned him. But I'm glad you did because, um, you know, there's there's some real gold. There's some real gold in this book. But, yeah, so this is one of the first ones I wanted to get your thoughts on, Nick. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and why do you even recommend this book? You know, what, what makes it? a book that you would even want to share and, and tell others about? Yeah, no, that's a good question. So it, it's different in, in many aspects. Um, it's, it's a quick read, but it's very deep. 
um, with that read. So there's a lot of quotes, a lot of poems, a lot of stories, um, and you can just skim over them, or if you pay attention to them, each each little section has you know its own story and its own reason that it's in there. And wooden, um, I mean, yeah, it, a lot of people don't know him, and I, I feel like a part of that is because of his humbleness, and he wasn't very, um, I don't want to say outgoing, but he. I mean, of course, he was proud of his accomplishments. I mean, winning 10 national championships in 12 years. Um, I don't even know if any other program has 10 national championships, um, let alone a, a single coach. Um, mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, his, his humbleness and um, just the way he carried himself on and off the court, you know, he looked at it. He looked as himself or at himself as a as a coach and a mentor Um in life more so than basketball. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is one. And one of my favorite quotes, I guess to, to sum the book up, um, if there's a quote that comes to my mind, it's somebody asked him, you know, do you run your family like you run your team? And he said, no, I run my team like I run my family. And, you know, I, I feel like it's it's opposite of what a lot of people think of when they think of a a great coach. A lot of people think of you know, some badass or some, some hard guy that, you know, doesn't take anything but perfection. Um, and I feel like Wooden puts a really good twist to that because he's, he's a person, he's a human. Um, believe it or not, he was an English teacher. He loved writing poems. And you would not associate that with a guy that won 10 national championships and, and in a sport that's very competitive. So that, that's, that's kind of why I was drawn to it. Um, and why I would recommend it to other people is because it's it's not the the normal leadership book that you would read. Um, it, it is very deep. Um, you know, he was a guy that had feelings, um, and he, you know, showed those to his players, and and he was just a, a great leader on and off the court, like it says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Nick, I'm glad you mentioned that quote because that that was one that always stuck with me your words of it you know you sharing it with me more than I remember reading it from the book just because it was it was just one that just stuck out with me I mean there's so many so many in the book that um have stuck with me and I found myself you know highlighting over highlights that you had done but uh you know the the one that you mentioned about how he runs his team and how he runs one that that always stuck with me um what what is it about that one particular one, Nick? That that really, you you, you come back to that one quite a bit. Um, what, why is that? Why did that one stick out to you so much? Yeah, it, partially because, like I said, basketball is really competitive, and and when you think of the the world of sports, you think of dominance, you think of aggressiveness, you think of, um, you know, discipline, you think of somebody that's that's hard, not harsh on their players, but you know, just always a go-getter. And you, you look at Wooden and he, he kind of puts a, a twist on that. And, you know, he, he the, the person that asked him, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if it was a reporter um, or a friend or something. And it, when I read that, I was like, man, that's, that's pretty good. It, it's, it's short, but there's a lot of, a lot of wisdom to that, you know, running a team like a family, like no, nobody thinks of that. And, you think that it's weak or you might think that, well, that's the wrong way of doing it. Um, and you look at him and he won, you know, 10 national championships, which no other coach has done. And in, in my opinion, he, 
he coached like no other coach because a lot of other coaches that you read, um, you know, they're, they're very hard. You know, like you look at like Nick Saban um, or uh, the, the Clemson coach, he's with my Dabo. Um, you know, yeah, really, really aggressive, you know, always go, go, go. And of course, John Wooden was too, but um, he, he viewed his team as, as a family and he, he lived by that. And that's why that, that quote always comes to my mind um, because as a coach and as a leader, he cared for, he cared for the people. He truly cared, cared for his teammates and the people around him. And I think that's what, that's what set him apart. And that's why he was able to be so successful. Um, on the court and he had a very successful life off the court I mean his mm-hmm. his family was very tight-knit um, a good mm-hmm. Christian family he raised good kids and you know it, it shows and I, I think that's that's why it always sticks with me is it's just mm-hmm. opposite of what of what everybody thinks yeah yeah there's so there's so many of those like you know one of the the chapter titles or section titles in under families values and virtues is nothing is stronger than gentleness I mean, yeah. it's just, he just, he just kind of puts these little twists on things that, uh, that just I, always made me pause and kind of think like, it's almost like, you know, there's some, uh, like foods or candies that you almost have to kind of let, like, just kind of sit in your mouth and just kind of like slowly dissolve. Like, I feel yeah. like his words are, are like that. You just kind of have to let them slowly dissolve and, uh, and sink in a little bit. Yeah, he's got a lot of, of family quotes. I don't know if this one's in the back, but there's there's one that says something along the lines of, you know, the best thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. And again, you would not expect that coming from a guy that won 10 national championships and, you know, a, a, an extremely competitive sport. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he used that type of philosophy and that type of mindset to um, grow his, his players essentially and grow his team to, to mm. become successful. It's pretty evident that there's a lot of characteristics that are similar between you two. Yeah. So um, I guess to answer that, I got to go to the origin and how I picked up the book. Mm. Um, and I played tennis throughout high school um, and I, you know, got very frustrated when I didn't, not that I didn't win. I, I'd never cared if an opponent played better than me, but when I didn't perform my best or when I would hit a shot in the net or something, I would get very frustrated. And I dealt with um, a lot of injuries in in tennis. Um, one of them was my hip, which you guys obviously are aware of. Another one um, was, you know, three days before my first match as, as first singles, I tore something in my wrist. Mm. and um, I couldn't hit a backhand, and it, I don't know if you know anything about tennis, but that's you know, a third of your game, you know, arguably. Um, mm. you got forehand, backhand, and serve. You could say that there's net in there involved. Um, mm. But it, it really took a, a twist, and um, I was pretty frustrated. You know, I was kind of had the, the mindset of why me, why me, you know, kind of down on myself. Um, and my dad gave me this book, and it, I, you know, I told him, of course, I was a teen at the time, so I knew everything and my dad didn't. And, you know, I, I told him, I was like, I'm not going to read this. He's like, no. He's like, I, I want you to read. I forget how many pages it was, but he would quiz me on it to, mm. to make sure I actually did read it. And I didn't mm. want to tell him this at the time because, again, I knew everything. And I, di- I didn't want him to be satisfied, you know, that his punishment was actually working. Um, and then I was actually learning something from it because what kid wants to tell their parent, like, hey, I'm learning from the punishment. 
Um, so I, I read it and I just honestly fell in love with it. I was like, man, this is, this is awesome. Um, I've read it so many times and I've given away, you know, a lot of copies cause you know, I, I think people can, can benefit from it. So I, I say all that because, you know, did, did I think I was going to apply it, you know, um, this much or, you know, in the work, honestly, I had, I had no idea. Um, yeah. I, I think it's just, it, I think it, he gave it to me at the right time. You know, it was just before college. College is tough. You know, you're competing with other people. And the whole the whole mindset of Wooden is just do the best you can. Appraise other people that, that do well, but don't compare them to other people. And in college, that is very crucial um, mm. from your own confidence and your own ability um, to perform well in the classroom. And, you know, making friends and, and applying that in life, because, you know, like we said, that there's a lot of life principles in there. Mm. Um, so I, I had no I had no idea how much of an impact it would have on my life. Um, mm. But I'm, I'm very thankful that it did. Um, and like I said, it came to me at the right time. And, you know, I, I picked it up and, and fell in love. And it's it's a book that I mean, you can read it probably in you know two hours or something. It's very quick because there's a lot of sections to it, but within those two hours, you know, you could be crying then you could be, you know, happy and then you could be determined, you know, to run through a brick wall because of the, the adversity um, and or not the adversity, the, the diversity of, of information that, that's that's in that book. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, it's both on and off the court. So that's kind of where you know, I, I was introduced to it. And then, um, I mean, it, it just, it took off from there. And, you know, I, he, he always, it seemed like he was a very good person in general. Um, and I think striving to be a better person um, and being able to be successful and be a good person, I think is, is very important because mm-hmm. there's a lot of successful people that um, people don't like, but I, I've, never read or watched any YouTube videos because I watched a lot of YouTube videos for, for John and the players he coached where, mm. where nobody didn't like him, even the competitors. Mm. I mean, they, both sides, you know, his team and the competitors, just a great guy overall. So mm. um, I, I tried to model myself after, you know, some of the strategies and, and that he uses um, both with his, I'll say the on the court, which IE would be work. Um, and then off the court, which would be, you know, family, friends, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, Nick it might be a really weird question, but uh, what do you think the, what was the takeaway your dad hoped you would get at that moment in your life by giving you that book? Mm-hmm. You know, just coming off or just having that <clears throat> injury, handing you that book. What do you think was his hope? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's a good question. I think short term, I think it was a mental relief, um, and I don't want to say a, a band aid, but um, and, and understanding that okay, you know, it, I don't have to compare myself to other people. I don't have to have the mental um, challenges, so to speak, on the on the tennis court that I that I put myself in. And I think long term, I mean, I, I think he was hoping that you know it would it would click and that I would be, you know, a, a good person growing up. Um, you know, he always mentions the, the golden rule, treat others as you want to be treated um, or however that goes. Um, mm-hmm. 
And, you know, I, I think I think it was – to answer your question, I, th- I think it was two-part. Like, short-term, I think it was to alleviate um, the challenges that I was having in, in tennis. You know, it was frustrating um, having a hip injury that got worse and worse as, mm. you know, I got older, and that's where I was, you know, getting more competitive. Um, mm. And it, it was it was tough for me. Um, but, you know, the, the book definitely helped put things into perspective. Um, and then, like I said, long-term, it shaped – you know, it, it helped throughout college. I read it a couple times throughout college and even in the, in the work. Um, I read it a couple times, you know, since I've been at Dana. Um, so I, I think he definitely wanted to help with the, um, the, the mental side of things for, for tennis. Cause it is a, it's a solo sport and you're on the court by yourself. Um, so there is a lot of mental challenges and th- this book will help you mentally. Mm. Um, and it, you know, both, in your, your work environment and at home. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Nick, I mean, w- one of the things that always struck me uh, just in, in hanging out with you is, and you see it in Wooden's work too, is, you know, just this consistency, no matter kind of like where you are. Um, and like when you read about Wooden and you hear about Wooden, you know, who he was on the court, who he was off the court in the classroom with his family, you know, he really sounded like he was the same person everywhere he went. And he, and I think it was, you know, I think it was, it was the values that he, that he really stuck to. Um, But I've also noticed that in you too, you know, where you have, you know, just kind of this consistency about you, you know, whether you're, you know, at work in the plant or, you know, working with a customer, you know, you're Nick. Um, so, you know, I think that's a, that's a big influence that, you know, I, or at least I can see that playing out for you. Um, what, what do you, what do you notice about wooden? Do you, I mean, do you see that same thing? Do you see that in other athletes today? Um, and why do you think that might be so hard to achieve sometimes? Yeah. So holding true to your values is, is tough. Um, the media, I think makes it tougher than it was back in the day. Um, and you know, there, there's a story that, that John Wooden, um, so he, he was actually a very good college basketball player and I, I think he played for Purdue and I think he was an all American. I don't know how many years, maybe it was all four, maybe it was just one. Um, but he was, he was very good. And, you know, after college, he got the opportunity to um, travel with the professional basketball association or um, I don't think it was called NBA at the time. Um, and it would have been, you know, a, a $5,000 a year job um, to go travel in a sport that he loved. He clearly loved because he put so much time in there. Um, but he was tied because, you know, there's a teaching job that was out there um, that he could have. And uh, that made 1400 a year. And that would have been um, teaching English and then coaching, I think, four sports and then even being the athletic director for 1400. Um, so you could argue that that's, you know, just as much, if not probably more work than, you know, the traveling basketball team um, and for a lot less money. And, you know, he went and talked to his old coach at Purdue. And, you know, I think that his coach um, knew what John wanted. I just think he wanted to hear it. And, you know, when he talked to him about it, you know, he asked John, why did you go to college? And John said, well, to get an education so I could teach. And he said, you okay, did you get an education? He said, yeah, you know, I, I got a pretty good one. You know, I went, I went to Purdue. And he said, okay, you know, 
do what you want then. And at that point, I think John realized like, you know, he, he has to hold true to his values. And um, he took the teaching job. He took, you know, he coached um, multiple sports. Um, and I think that goes a long way. It's tough in today's sports because everything is all about money, getting the biggest contract, um, you know, ch- changing teams because, you know, you want that ring and you want that championship. You want the satisfaction of a, of a ring. Um, I, I truly think that he was able to sleep very well every night. Um, and because he was so true to his value that he didn't have, he didn't have to question, okay, am I, am I really chasing money or am I chasing what my heart wants? And I think that's, that's difficult to see in today's athletes because of, um, you know, the influence of media and money, you know, everybody in, um, that, well, not everybody, a lot of athletes that can go pro do go pro because of the money and and because they like it. Um, and you know, maybe they don't want an education. Maybe their main goal is to go pro. Um, but I think John really valued education and, um, you know, he, he took that to heart, got his education, taught English and was, it was a great coach, um, for a couple different colleges. And one of them being UCLA where he won 10 national championships. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, it, it is tough to see nowadays. It, it's almost rare to see actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, he, there's no way that ha- had he probably not followed what was really true to him. I don't think we, he would have been nearly as successful, you know? No. So he, he followed that path that lined up with exactly who he was and what he wanted to do. And ultimately that's, you know, that's where he found the most, most success even though that's, that isn't what he was looking for. He was just falling, staying true to himself. Right. So, you know, pretty, pretty powerful lesson there. Um, Nick, there's a, there's another, another story that uh, we've had some time to kind of process and, and uh, kick around together just because it's, it's interesting just from a, a team leadership type scenario of, you know, where is the line between micromanaging and doing what's right for the team? And, and, you know, we've just, we've had some time to, to, to kick it around. And I want to get uh, Jair's take on this as well, too. But the story that, that Wooden talks about is being very specific and very detailed about how his players put on their socks and tied their shoes. And the, the first time I read that, it, it, I don't know, I got, I got like a micromanagey vibe from it. And it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. Um, but at, at one point, um, it, it, it kind of clicked. And it came from me hearing my father-in-law and his brother talk about them playing basketball back during like Wooden's era. So they're, you know, early seven, late sixties, early seventies. And they were telling stories about the old basketball shoes, how if you didn't just tie them up just right, or, you know, put them on just right, you know, you'd end up getting <clears throat> nasty blisters and it'd take you right out of the game. And it just reminded me of the Wooden story. It was like, okay, there was, there was a real specific reason as to why he was doing that, but it didn't, you know, that it wasn't crossing over into being, micromanaging um but so i just want to get your thought your thoughts on that because we've we've kind of processed that a lot together and just you know wanted to see where where you kind of landed with with that story you know how much how much do you think it's micromanaging 
can you see why why he did what he did? And, you know, is there a method to his madness? Yeah. No, that that does. Yes. You know, when I read that, I'm like, man, this guy's a nutcase. You know, why, <laughs> why would anybody tell a college athlete, hey, here's how you put a sock on? You know, I mean, that's something that your your parents tell you when you're two. And, um, you know, I, I know we listen to a lot of Jocko um, and, and read his books, and there's, there's a lot of similarities between that. Um, you know, the story of Jocko making everybody – understand how to repair the radio or replace the, the radio and, and dial in the channels for communication um, in, in the battlefield. And, you know, there's a lot of similarities between the two stories because they, they both sound like micromanaging. But when you look at the impact it has on the performance, um, I, I think it's, so it, it's tough to, I guess, bucket micromanage. And, and when you look at the performance, had he not done that, the performance arguably would have decreased mm-hmm. um, to the team. I, I don't know. Maybe they thought that he was, um, you know, too specific and stuff. But when you look at, you know, something as simple as, as putting on socks and shoes, I mean, everybody has to do that. And if there's a certain way that can help you, stay off the bench and, and play your best, why, why not learn that? And I think that's kind of where the line between, you know, micromanaging and I'll say good advice is, you know, the, the, the good advice um, or the, the strategy behind it. Um, I mean, there, there is direct correlation to, to performance and a team, a team's metric of success more or less is, is, um, is performance. And if you can achieve the highest amount of performance with something that's, I'll say, free, because everybody has to put their socks on anyway, um, you know, he, he looked at that as something that he could control. Um, John, John was always under the impression that if he can control it, um, then he could help the performance of, of his entire team. And, and I, I think it shows in his, um, in his accolades, you know, 10 national championships in 12 years. I think he had an 80, 80 game win streak, which I think is still true to, you know, men's division one basketball. Um, so it, it definitely is a, a fine line between um, a, a good strategy for performance and, and winning and also micromanaging. Um, and I guess it, it, it depends on how you define micromanaging, but I, I don't know how it's different than, you know, him telling him or him telling the players, okay, this is the exact play I want you to run. You know, I, I want this individual here. I want, you know, after he crosses the screen, you're going to look for the pass on this side. You know, you can bucket that into micromanaging. It's just a, a, a different way of looking at it because it's not, okay, we're going to draw plays, which is what most coaches do. You know, it's kind of out of the ordinary, but okay. You know, you, you could bucket, uh, play calling as, as micromanaging, you know? So it's, I don't know. It's a, it's a fine line. Um, and I don't know, I I guess it's, it's tough when when you look at that because initially, like I said, you know, it it seems like micromanaging. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I want to get Jared's take on it here in in a sec. I think one thing that I, you know, a couple of things that I started to, to take out of that story um, and I, I think what Jocko wrote about in dichotomy of leadership, I think helped as well too, is the fact that there was, it, it wasn't just like Wooden's personal style. Like it wasn't like, 
he wanted them to put their socks on a certain way or tie their shoes a certain way because that was like his style. Like there was actual function to it. And there was like a, there was like a, right. a direct thread, a direct correlation between those small details and yeah. the team's performance. So there was like, you know, there was intent, there was why behind it that, that gave it a lot of meaning. It wasn't just, you know, it, it just wasn't, you know, for style. So, um, no, that's, that's, I think, but it is, it is that balance, right. As to when, when do you do that? But Jared, what, what's your, what's your take on that, that little story there too? Like when you hear it, um, you know, what, what do you take away from it? I think there's a big difference between just purely commands and commander's intent. It sounds like what wouldn't explain to the players is, and well, I'll go there first, but I think what he probably did is explain to the players the importance of doing it in a very methodical way, uh, the performance improvements that the team could gain by doing so. And oh, by the way, with these years of experience, this is what he's learned, this is what he's seen, and this is what he knows to be true from an avoidance perspective. So if you, if you do this, you will achieve this. Contrasted to, hey, I, hey, players, I don't care how you put your socks and shoes on before, this is how you're going to do it going forward, period, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I said so. You know, mm-hmm. you can imagine the kind of resentment that comes from just that small example. Like, you know, who is this guy? Why should I put yeah. my socks on differently than I've ever put them on? He doesn't know any better. Screw you, man. I'm doing it just the way I've always done it. But as approaching it from a look, uh, there's some there's some benefits to doing this. And if you're willing to listen and willing to be part of this team, you're going to see that this team can achieve great things if we do certain things a certain way and let's get there together. Mm. So that commander's intent versus just the command goes a long way. Mm. Mm. But there, there's also something to be said for the fact that, you know, the, I know they mention it in the book that it's no, it's not a hidden thing, but even in the media, uh, wouldn't ends up getting what you read about is the 10 years worth of, uh, of championships right what you read less about is the what is it 16 years leading up to it right so it's and it's hard to even process that because the 16 years leading up to it isn't quite as sexy right it doesn't make Mm. nearly the headline however the, the the phrase i always go back to is proper planning prevents poor performance but also i mean that sounds more like an avoidance where i think what he's done is He's dug in every one of those years, knowing what the goal is for that team and for the school to get to is championship victories, right? So in the early stages, it's a lot of humility and it's a lot of understanding and, and being aware of what's going wrong, what's going right, building upon the things that are going right and learning as much as you can from the things going wrong. So not at all to take any credit away from Wooden. But that's that humility is what made 16 years in the future become championships. It's saying, look, we've got players out there, you know, baseline players going out, they're getting injured. Their feet are getting blisters. They're off the court. They're sitting on the bench. Can I win when my best players are sitting on the bench? Probably not. Check mental note. What do I do differently next game? What do I do differently next season? What do I do differently five years from now? And it's 
being aware, being humble enough to process those those kind of learning opportunities, and even more so than that, to something that's going to be better the next time. It doesn't mean you get it perfect, but if you said, look, all right, let's think about why they're on the bench. All right, they got blisters. Okay, is it because they are some sort of genetic that just in socks and shoes for an entire basketball game? Or is there a procedural thing that I can improve upon? And you know, what's back to the, the kind of problem solving? What keeps the players on the court versus the ones, what can I learn? It's feet, it's not pants, it's, it's shoes and it's socks, it's not this. Okay, and then applying that so that you create a better baseline. You, you just move the water level from where it was before. Yeah, so it's huge. Yeah, it's almost it's almost no different. So two things. It, it one of them is it's almost no different when you look at strength and conditioning coaches. A lot of them are very specific in how players lift weights. And well, they do that mm-hmm. to prevent injuries. Why do you prevent injuries? Because you don't want people on the bench. And this is just another way of preventing injuries. No, it's not as glamorous as telling somebody, hey, you know, when you're doing a curl or when you're doing a squat, you know, don't put your knees here, don't do this. But it, it's it's the same concept of. Okay, you know, we need to be very disciplined in how we function as a team. And in order to do that, we have to follow these rules. And I, I think in the book, um, there's actually a, a section on it where he talks about, you know, like the years leading up to the champion. And he, he makes a joke about it because he's like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a slow learner, but once I catch on, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good uh, type thing, you know, because it did take a long time. And I, I think a lot of people realize that when you want something to be good, building a foundation is – everybody always talks about it, right? The foundation is the most important thing. But nobody really wants to talk about how long a foundation takes if you want to do it right, you know. And he, he was one that did it right. He built his foundation. Um, yeah, it took him a long time. But look at the rewards um, at, at the end by building that foundation. And, you know, I, I think it just shows that all of those little attention to detail – um, that, that he used to do really paid off in the end. And he always talks about it's the little things that make the big things happen. You know, you get a lot of little things going your way that other people don't have because they're not paying attention to it. That's an advantage. You know, at, at the top when everybody's at their peak, if you have a couple percentage um, performance improvement or a couple percentage um, metric ahead of, of your, your opponent sometimes, that's all you need. And it's the, it's the little things that gets those, you know, a couple percentage over time. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I love that, Nick. I mean, he's, he's got this section in here called preparation is the prize. And yeah, he starts off that, that section with, with a quote that says the journey is better than the inn. And he goes on to say that, uh, you know, he des- he derived his greatest satisfaction out of the preparation or the journey day after day, week after week, year after year. And his, his, his preparation is, you know, epic proportions. You know, I, you've, you've told me before, and it's, it's in the book about how he would prepare each and every practice by having minute by minute mapped out on a, on a three by five cue card. Um, you know, this guy's attention to detail and his, his passion for the process you know, is something that I'm continually inspired by because, you know, it's, I, I know for me, you know, I particularly go back to college years. Like, it's just like, you know, get this class done, pass this test next, get this done. Pat, and, and then it can happen in your career, get this assignment done, 
next, get this next assignment done. What's next, you know, and just trying to like forget about being passionate about the process and, and the journey. Um, you know, so I just, I, I come back to Wooden's words in, in that sense, um, quite a lot. Cause it's, it's such a good reminder, but what perseverance, eh? I mean, just to, just to stick with it and, uh, and be so disciplined about the, about that process. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a good story. Um, and, and it's, it's a true story of a good guy, um, accomplishing a lot by, by following his heart. And, you know, that's, again, going kind of, I think that's what attracted, attracted me to the book. I mean, there's so many nuggets in here mm-hmm. and, you know, from both family and, and work related, which I think is, um, unique to other books, you know, re- regarding sports. It's so applicable, right, to humans. And a lot of books are focused either on corporate things or family things, but he's really got the balance because in order to be balanced, you have to be consistent across all elements in your life. You can't, I don't know, go out on a limb and say you can't be a great human being by being great only in the workplace and mm-hmm. less than great in the rest of your life. Mm. You can be a, a great business person that way, but at what cost? If you've got, if your family life is falling apart, um, you know, it, you really have to ask yourself, is it worth it? Contrasted with maybe folks who have prioritized a hundred percent their family life and maybe seen some concessions taken at work. You know, that everybody has to strike that balance that's right for themselves. But I think from a book and a learning and an education standpoint, the the wooden book really shows that consistent message across all facets of life. Yeah, it's important. yeah, for sure. Yeah. One thing I think is really cool to maybe dig into a little bit more is more so on the how long it takes and really. You know, like it's like I said, it's it's sexy to talk about championships, less sexy to talk about the buildup and the foundation and the preparation. But in the in the book, Good to Great by Jim Collins, he really talks about it as uh, he relates it to kind of starting to spin and turn a giant flywheel. Right. Something that most would look at and say, you're never going to move that thing, period. Right. And you can either accept that and say, yeah, you're right probably going to be really difficult if not impossible and others that might look at that and say you know what i know what this thing's going to look like spinning and once it's spinning it's going to be reckoned with and i can't wait to get there at all costs and i'm going to pour my heart and soul into getting it to start to budge right and they start leaning into it with all they've got and at first it really seems like nothing's moving whatsoever but then they start to hear a little creak and crack and that thing has started. And it's that tipping point that starts that momentum in their own mind. And they just keep on giving it everything they've got. Right. And then you've got other people that come in and say, you know what? Hey, that thing is starting to move. I want to be a part of that. Right. And then that, then it's, it's got some measurable movement. Now it's one RPM. Now it's 10. Now it's a hundred and now it's a thousand and people only take notice when it's at that thousand. Oh my gosh, you got that thing spinning a thousand RPM. What a, oh. 
put that in the headlines, right? Nobody cares about the fact that this guy again saw something that maybe could never have happened to pour his heart and soul into it with the, the real possibility that he'd fail and it wasn't movable. But seeing that future, being able to put in, put in that dedication, do that preparation, and then the media capitalizes on it later on and says, wow, what a, what a breakthrough moment. I mean, those, uh, those level five leaders, they look back and would say, there's no such thing, right? It's, there's no such thing as an overnight success story. There's something media captures as something from one moment to the next that appears cool. Real beauty is in that preparation. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he talks a lot about that. Actually there's um, throughout the book, he's got, you know, puzzlers where he just in the middle, he just says, you know, five puzzlers or six puzzlers of, of life. And, and one of them says, why is it so hard for so many to realize that winners are usually the ones who work harder, work longer, and as a result, perform better. It's exactly what you're saying. You know, people just, it, it's so hard for people to conceptualize that, Hey, you know, it, it didn't happen overnight. You didn't get lucky. Um, I, I think there's another puzzle in there. Um, or maybe it's just like a little, a little quote that, you know, the harder, the, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And it doesn't mean that like, you know, literally it just means that, you know, the harder you work, the, the, the better you perform and, you know, your output is, is always increasing. And, um, yeah, he, he, he really enjoyed the, like the, the journey as opposed to the end or the end result. Um, you know, I think he, he mentioned that, um, his, his end goal would be to sit on the sidelines and almost watch, watch the, the players coach themselves, um, and, and play so well without him even intervening. And you only get that by, by preparation. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people realize that preparation is, is critical. Or a lot of people. Um, that flywheel. I, I think it's a great example because most relationships, um, when you look at performance or output in, in the world are, are not linear. And I think at the beginning, because you don't see that one-for-one one result, um, because you don't see like, okay, I put this much effort, I get this much um, performance improvement, I put this much effort, this much. It's not like a one-to-one one. at the beginning. It's always tough. I think that's a great analogy for the uh, for the flywheel because that, that analogy is anything but linear. And I, I think that's what a lot of this stuff is. And I, I, and I think that's what, you know, when looking at Wooden, you know, 16 years, no championships, the last 10 out of 12, you know, championships. It's like if that's not a, a linear relationship, I mean, I, I don't know what is. Mm. There's a lot of gray area in that, in the building part, though, in, in terms of whether it's linear, whether it's exponential, whether it's a step. And, and ultimately, nobody on the outside really cares what that lead up looks like. But there, from a how do you replicate it standpoint, that's where the beauty is. It's less about how to achieve success in your successful state. It's more so about how did you change from one state to the next. 
Yeah. At least that's what fascinates me. Yeah. You mean mean you're going from the the state of getting, building momentum, um, dare I say, storing kinetic energy, um, to to actually winning is that kind of what you're saying like yeah the difference the different states Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and it's not that i'm not impressed by winning i'm just more impressed by those either individuals or companies or groups whatever it is that change from here to here and i'm fascinated by that transition and how that's achieved yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can, I, I can almost picture that would didn't probably change a whole lot given his his character. Um, you know that his his program, his preparation, his you know telling his team how to tie the shoes, writing his notes out on on note cards. You know, probably looked the same year one as it did at the end. You know, before he retired. So. You know, it's he. He just that consistency and that dedication, that discipline. Um, you know, I can ju- I can just picture him just really living out that, being passionate about the process, and yeah, and, and being in love with the journey. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a there's a quote that says something like, "Your ability gets you to the top, but your character keeps you at the top." Um, that's I think that's a John Wooden quote in there somewhere. There's so many of them. Um, but, you know, it, what he means by that is you have hard work. It'll get you to the top, but character, um, who you are, what you want, what your values are, um, that, that'll that that'll keep you there, you know, because your, your ability can only can only go so far. Um, but your character, you know, who you are when nobody's looking, that, that'll, that'll keep you um, at the top. And, you know, Jeremy, you mentioned, um, you know, companies that are like down here and then go up there i mean stories like that i also love i mean even if it's something as simple as you know somebody um that was like addicted to you know drugs or something and they're at the lowest of the lows and then they turn their life around and now if you talk to them like you you would have no idea like what their past actually is because it's so far behind them and they're on a completely different trajectory um and just a different phase in life. And it's, it's so interesting to see how that comes about. Um, you know, whether it's linear, exponential, a step function, um, et cetera. But it, it's, it's always interesting to see, you know, what, what actually motivates people, um, how, how they do that, you know, where they look for inspiration. And, um, you know, when, when we were talking about this, or, you know, Matt, when you mentioned it, it was going to be about leadership. And I started thinking, okay, I kind of bucket leadership into, you know, two types. Those that I don't have a personal relationship with and those that I do. Um, and the ones that I don't have a personal relationship is every book that I read because I, I, I don't know them. Um, I can kind of guess, you know, how they are as a person. Um, and you look at, you know, who, who's influential. Well, of course, Wooden is influential. Um, but it's also, you know, people that you have a personal relationship with like you guys or, or a lot of people at Dana, um, you know, understanding what motivates them like Steve. Um, I'm sure that's going to be a great podcast, um, to, to listen to, 
uh, somebody like him, I mean, he can just talk for hours on, on how motivated he is. You know, he was in, in my Carnegie class, um, and I knew once he started talking, I mean, he was just an amazing, driven individual, um, unlike a lot of people. And, you know, you look at, I don't know, people, people like that, and I, I think you can take away a lot from people you don't know, but also people that you do know. Um, and it's kind of, you know, different takeaways, um, you know, depending on whatever situation is, you know, either whatever you're talking about or whatever the environment is. No doubt. Yeah, no, it's a good example. Steve really is driven and, um, and you can see the, the wheels are always turning with him. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he's got a long-term plan and it's, uh, it's cool to be a part of it. But Nick, as we, uh, as we kind of wrap up here tonight uh wanted to give you the or hopefully give you the opportunity if if folks that are listening to our podcast here if they're maybe new to this whole idea of leadership or maybe have an opportunity to do some uh people leadership and the responsibility that comes along with that is there any advice that you'd want to share with them from all the influence influential people in your lives or the influencing figures in in any of your reading anything you'd want to share with them so that they may have an easier time of it or some uh, nice stepping stone to use yeah I, I would say uh, keep an open mind um, and what I mean by that is wouldn't I would argue is probably the biggest influence in my life and I, I didn't even want to read it and I was forced to uh, but I fell in love with it um, you, you might be surprised, you know, when you turn a stone, what's under there. Um, and it's, you know, if, if you're looking for advice or if you're looking for, um, I guess, mentorship or, or something, just keep an open mind because sometimes the, the people that you already have a preset notion about, like, ah, I don't want to really listen to him because of so-and-so or I, I don't think I'm going to like him, G- give it a shot because... Um, there, there's a lot of people, I love listening to podcasts and, um, you know, I, I listen to people that sometimes I, I think I don't like, or, you know, that has the opposite views, but you can actually get a lot of good information, a lot of good leadership skills, um, from people that, that you might not expect it from. Mm. And it could be, it doesn't have to be CEOs of people. Um, it could be somebody in your cube next to you. Um, because you don't know what their background is. You don't know what they've overcome. And I think that's pretty important um, also is that, you know, keeping an open mind and realizing that everybody can have the ability to be a, a leader. And just because John won 10 national championships in, in 12 years, um, you know, doesn't mean that you can't get as good of advice from somebody sitting in the cube next to you um, or a friend or, or somebody that's overcome, you know, something that's equivalent of that, but just in a, in a different environment. Um, so I, I would definitely say that there's a lot of stuff out there. Keep an open mind um, and, and just realize that there's a lot of good leaders out there that aren't, you know, well-known like Jeff Bezos or, you know, the, the billionaires. And just because they're not doesn't mean they're, they're not good. Uh, they're not good leaders and they're not good people because – those are often the ones that you don't hear about um, because they don't they don't like the the media and the attention. Yeah, no, that's great advice. Great advice. 
Matt, anything, uh, anything else from your side? Was that to me, Jerry? Yeah, sorry. sorry. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely just echo and appreciate what, what Nick has to say. Nick, thanks for, uh, for coming on, man, sharing your, kicking around, uh, your thoughts on, on Wooden with us, um, and, uh, absolutely agree, you know, keep that open mind, and, uh, I know that, I've been surprised every time that I've been able to do that um, and hope that I can do it uh, more and more every day. Um, but thanks for uh, thanks for coming on and taking this time with us and, and dropping some wisdom. It's been uh, it's been a real pleasure as always, Nick. Absolutely. Yeah. Pleasure's all mine. It, it was um, it was a blast to be on here. I, I love talking about this stuff and hearing your guys' advice. I mean, I don't know. I've got a lot of takeaways just from what you guys said today. Um, and how many times have we talked about this stuff before, you know, mm. and we're still talking about it and, and learning. Um, so, I mean, that's, it, it's awesome. It's that's what it's ending. all about. That's what it's all about. Hey, yeah. thanks again, Nick. Appreciate you uh, spending the time with us tonight. Matt, thank you. I hope you're feeling better. Let's do thanks, this again. Sure. Let's do it again, guys. All right. Can't Sounds wait. good. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right. Take care, guys. See you guys. Have a good night. See you. Bye-bye. Bye.